Well, hey friends, good to see you today. We are beginning a brand new series called Endgame, and we're gonna be talking about uh, a lot about our future, the things that we dream about happening, you know, those things that we wanna see happen in our future. And you've probably heard the phrase Endgame used before. It's kinda all over the place. Uh, it's been the title of albums, uh, there's songs with the name, there's books, TV shows, even the Department of Homeland Security, they actually have a plan called Operation Endgame. One of the most interesting uses for me, though, of this in-game concept is in chess. In chess, it refers to the end of the game when there's only a couple of pieces left on the board. And if you really want to be good at chess, you play the entire game with the end game in mind. And that is kind of how life works, right? If you really want to be good at life, you have to live your entire life with the end game in mind. Like, what do we want our lives to be like? What do we want to have accomplished when we get to the end of our life? Uh, what do we want to have become, to have been a part of? What do we want to be remembered for? And most importantly, we are moving towards those things or we are moving away from those things. And that's what this whole series is about. It's helping us move towards the things that we want and that God wants for us as well. And with that in mind, let me ask you a question. How many of you are not so good with directions? Just be honest, right? If you are someone who gets lost a lot, right, uh, do people make fun of you because of it? And maybe the person sitting next to you right now is laughing a bit because compared to them, you are a mess when it comes to directions, but that's okay. Truth is, God often pairs us with people who compliment us in all kinds of different areas. So if you're dating someone and you're a person who gets lost easily, just make sure that your significant other or someone is someone who's good with directions. And that is so much true when it comes to Jody and I. Uh, if, if she's driving somewhere and she's never been, she will absolutely 100% get lost. Now, a lot of this has changed now because we have maps on our phone and GPS and all this. But before all of that, two times when we first moved here to Charlotte, she got lost driving back home to Atlanta. She got on to 85 and went north. One time she got on 85 at, at, at the airport, right, at 485, drove north and didn't figure it out until she got to Concord. If you don't know, that's about 45 minutes away. And, and so as someone who lives with someone who's been lost a lot, there are three things that I've discovered about all of this. And the first one is this. People who are lost rarely get lost on purpose. Now, it's easy to think it's because, well, they're just not paying attention, but that's not totally true. They are paying attention. They're just not paying attention to maybe the right things, all right? So they rarely get lost on purpose. Second thing, you typically are lost before you know you're lost, right? You are never aware that you're getting lost, right? It just dawns on you. In other words, you never think, you know, if I just keep going another mile, I'll be completely lost, 
In fact, by the time you realize you're getting lost, you've probably already been lost for a while. And the third thing about this, you always end up where the road you're on takes you. You always end up on wherever the road's taking you, that's where you're going to end up. In fact, specific roads lead to specific places every time. For my wife, as she's listening, if you go out here and get on I-85 North, you will eventually end up in Raleigh. Even if you intend to head to Atlanta, you're going to end up in Raleigh every single time, right? In other words, here's how we could say it. Your direction, not intention, determines your destination. That's what this whole series is about. Your direction, not your intention, determines destination. This is important to understand. Where you intend to end up or where you desire to be is pretty much irrelevant. As I stated in the example I gave, we know in the world of driving, direction, not intention, determines destination. And as obvious as that might seem when it comes to driving, right? when it comes to the rest of our lives, when it comes to our financial lives, our dating lives, our professional lives, our marriage lives, raising kids, whatever it is, it's easy to forget that this same principle applies to that area. So when it comes to your finances, it is your direction, not your hopes and dreams for how it's going to turn out, that, turn, that determines ultimately where you end up. You can hope that in three years you're going to have enough saved for the down payment on a house. Or in 20 years you're going to have enough to retire. You can even dream about it. Like, what's it going to look like when we get that house? Or what's it going to look like when we retire? But if you never make any adjustments to your spending to actually save for that down payment, when those three years are up, you will not be at a place to make the down payment. You may even arrive in a place that's even more in debt and further from your dream of owning a home because it is your direction, not your intentions, that determine your destination. And this applies to all the areas of our lives. It applies to our dating lives, our professional lives, our marriage lives. It applies to parenting. It applies to dealing with your anxiety. It applies to your health. In every single area of your life, your direction, not your intentions, not your hopes and dreams, not even your beliefs, but it is your direction that ultimately determines your destination. Now, even with all of that being true, there is a huge disconnect between the destination people want to ultimately reach in life and the path they've chosen to travel. But no matter what you think about it, you're either on a path towards reaching your goals or you are not. When it comes to specific destinations in life, there is not a path that will kind of get you there, right? If you wanted to leave here from Charlotte and go to San Diego and you just kind of generally head west, but sometimes you go a little north and then you go a little south and then a little bit back to the east, what are the odds that you're going to arrive in San Diego? Slim to none, right? The same is true in life. Everyone here is on a financial path with a very specific destination. Everyone here is on a relational path in your dating, in your marriage, or in your friendships. You are on a path with your children. Everyone here is on a career path. Everyone here is on a spiritual path. And we don't like to think about it that way because we're kind of spur-of-the-moment people. I mean, I am, right? I'm a here-and-now kind of person. I'm sure you are too. We want to think that our decisions only affect the here and now. We don't want to think about them affecting the future. But I imagine we've all had someone that is close to us that is so broken up over where their life has ended up. 
right? And sometimes they share with you all of their disappointments, right? That they're nowhere near where they had hoped to be. And yet, as they're speaking, you can't help but think to yourself, well, of course you ended up there. I mean, what did you expect? Couldn't you see that this relationship was leading you down a dead end? Didn't you realize that no matter how much you wanted a healthy relationship, the road you chose was going to make that nearly impossible? Or or maybe say, of course, you're running out of money before the month ends. I mean, what did you expect? Couldn't you see that that buying all those expensive items and, and doing all of that impulse buying was just depleting your savings? Didn't you realize that no matter how much you wanted to maintain this comfortable lifestyle financially, your spending habits, man, they, they were making that nearly impossible. Well, of course your marriage is facing challenges. I mean, what did you expect? Couldn't you see that like you're not communicating your feelings? Couldn't you see that that lack of communication was creating a barrier between the two of you? Didn't you realize that no matter how much you wanted a loving and understanding partnership, your lack of openness, it, it was making that nearly impossible. And when we look at the lives of other people... We, we see the contrast all around us. The contrast between where people hoped their path would take them and the actual path they chose to travel down. And, and then what I see, you know, when people end up in a destination they didn't expect, they become angry at God because this is not where I hoped I would be. God, where were you? What did you do? So why do we continue to walk down wrong paths? Why do we keep doing things that we regret? Well, It's because we think that our intentions, that our hopes and dreams, will win out over the decisions that we make on a daily basis. But the direction we choose, not our hopes and dreams, will determine our destination. Now, this is something, I didn't come to this on my own, something I learned 20 years ago from a pastor named Andy Stanley, and I'm so grateful for it. Because when I began to apply this principle, it changed the direction of my whole life. And the principle is this. He calls it the principle of the path. And this is what I I tell people all the time. The principle of the path. The principle of the path. And this principle is found in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 27. And in this passage, Solomon tells the story of a young man who kind of ignored the principle of the path. And Solomon sees this as as this young man is walking. Solomon is standing on a second story window looking down on the street below him. And the young man happens to be walking along. And as he's walking along, Solomon suddenly has a sense of where this man's journey is going to end. But the guy who's walking, he doesn't even have a clue. And we've all had an experience like that where we had a hunch about someone was where they were heading even before they actually got there. And that's what's happening with Solomon as he looks at this young man. And so Solomon begins to narrate where this man's path is taking him. And in doing so... He's demonstrating that every path, every single path has a destination. So let's look together. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 27. He begins, says, While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some young, naive men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. So he sees this young guy, right? Watching him from a second story window, and he says he lacks common sense. He lacks judgment. I kind of picture him as maybe like a college freshman heading out to start his life as an adult. He's naive to how the world really works, right? And so you just kind of picture this young man without common sense. Verses 8, he says, He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. Strolling down the path by her house, 
It was twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. Now, obviously you don't have to be a Bible scholar to see where this story is heading. Here's this college kid heading towards a woman's house as the darkness of the night is settling in. And he's probably thinking about, man, what a great time this is going to be. And he is walking along, and there is some sort of soundtrack that's playing in his head, right? And it's either Born to be Wild, or it's I've Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas, depending on what generation that you're from. But he is just heading out thinking, man, this is going to be fantastic. And yet, here's Solomon looking down at him from the window, kind of shaking his head. And behind him is another soundtrack playing, and it's the soundtrack from Jaws, right? And so from this scene, you can see this huge contrast between what this kid thinks he's about to experience and what Solomon knows he's actually going to experience. And you see, the kid's kind of thinking, man, this is an exciting event. But the older, wiser man knows this is a path, and a specific road leads to a specific place every single time. So verse 10, it continues. Then the woman came out to meet him, the young man, seductively dressed and sly of heart. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look, she said, I just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. Now, to that, you're like, why is she saying that? That seems kind of weird. When she says, look, I have fulfilled my vows, essentially what she's telling him is she is free from sin, that she has taken her bucket of sin to the temple, presented it as offerings to God for forgiveness, and now with her bucket, it's all empty of sin. She begins filling that bucket again, and she wants to begin filling that bucket with him. So in verse 15, she comes up to the young man and says, You're the one. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. Three times she highlights the fact that she's done all this just for him. Even though there were other young men out on the street, I came out to meet you. I looked for you. And he's thinking, man, I'm special. I'm so special. I'm one of a kind that she would go out of her way like this for me. She came out looking for me, right? And if you're reading this, the volume on the Jaws soundtrack is starting to increase, right? Verse 21, with persuasive words, she led him astray and seduced him with her talk. All at once, he followed her, right? He's following her down a very specific path with a very specific destination. And this is going to affect his future, but he doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see it as something that will affect his future. He sees it as something that is here and now, and right now, he is a rock star. But here's Solomon, this wise man, looking down, and he sees something very different. And in verse 22, the writer tells us, this about the young man, right? All at once, he followed her. And what does Solomon say? Like an ox going to slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a snare, waiting for the arrow that would pierce its heart. Like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it will cost him his life. Right? What he's saying is not just about the here and now. It's, not a, it's about the future. It's a path. The path is wrong. It's like an ox walking into the slaughterhouse. He doesn't see it, but it's a path that will affect the rest of his life. So then Solomon, he kind of steps out of the story, and in verse 24, he addresses you, and he addresses me. So verse 24, he says, So, listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Right? Pay attention. 
Focus is going to be a huge lesson right here. So pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. For she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been with her and been victims. So basically he's saying, buddy, I hate to break it to you, but she has seduced many. Many people like you. I know you thought that you were one of a kind, but you're just one in a million. This path that you have put yourself on, it is so predictable. It's happened over and over. And you think it's some incredible experience designed just for you. This has happened a million times over. Your destination is so predictable that I can predict the outcome with confidence that you will become just another ox brought to the slaughter. And so what this passage encourages us to do is this. Steal pain from the future. Still paying for the future. Here's what I mean by that. Take a hard look at what you're doing and then ask, what's the end game of this? When that thing I'm doing, when it blows up, when it goes public, what are we going to do? Right? What's it going to affect? How's it going to affect me, the people that are around me, affect my future plans, my dreams? Still some pain from the future so you can make a change now. There are some lines that once you cross them, you can't stop the pain. I talk to people all the time about this. Right? We get this for other people's lives, but when it comes to our own lives, we can so easily live life like that young man, looking at only the event without seeing what's to come next. And yet it's fairly predictable. That crowded highway that you've chosen is just a path, and our paths always determine our destination. You see, guys, we, we've got to address the disconnect our culture so often throws at us that says, as long as my intentions are good, as much as I want to end up in a good place, as much as all of that is true, it just doesn't matter what path I take, it'll work out somehow. It's just not true. Because the path you take will always trump even your best of intentions. The young man in our story thought that he was about uh, to have this great thing that happened while the older, wiser man knew that he was heading down a path that would lead him in a much different direction than what this young man may have wanted for his life, right? <clears throat> Solomon would say, you've got it all wrong. You're not a rock star stepping onto a stage. You're not a celebrity walking out of your limo onto a red carpet. You're just an ox heading down the path towards your slaughter. So let me give some examples of some of the disconnects that, that I hear uh, both as a pastor and as a friend and talking with people. I hear them from time to time. See if you can identify with any of these. I hear, I want to be married to a great godly Christian guy or gal, so I'm just going to go out with anyone that I think is cute, right? The path always trumps your destination. I, I want our family to be very tight. I want us to grow up and all be friends and look forward to going on vacation together, so I'm going to work all the time and never be around. Or, I want my kids to respect me, so I'm going to cheat on their mom. Or I want to grow old and invest in my grandchildren, so I'm just going to neglect my health so that I aren't, I'm, I'm not able to do that. Uh, I want my children to be brought up with the same Christian values I had, so we're going to miss church most Sundays. Uh, I want to lose weight. Um, could you supersize that for me? I, I want to live without financial pressure, so I'm just going to live beyond my means. I want to be a generous, giving person, so I'm just going to spend all my money on me. I want to know God, so I'm never going to read my Bible, right? 
It's all about, here's what I intend to do. Here's what I want to do. And yet, here's what I'm going to do. Get the point? In life, there seems to be a lot of disconnect. And so as you think about your financial path, marriage path, dating path, your moral path, professional path, you have to ask this question, if you dare. Are the paths I'm on taking me closer to or further from my desired destination? And that is a hard question to ask because we can all become enamored by the wrong path. Because there is someone or something on that path that has such a strong emotional appeal. It's not rational that we get so fixated on the immediate that we lose sight of the ultimate. For you, it might be a dollar sign. I've got to make this deal. I've got to get this promotion, even though it's costing me my family. Whatever it is, there's something so emotionally appealing that it gets a hook in our heart. But you can't beat the principle of the path. The temptation for all of us, though, right now is to kind of sit back and, well, all that stuff, yeah, I get it. That's a good rule of thumb, but my situation is different. Every one of us think that our situation is a little bit different. That the, the, the most common reason for people ignoring the wisdom that we find in Scripture is, well, I mean, that's all great, but my situation is a little bit different. The young man in this story would have said the same thing. Look, I'm special. Did you see her? She was looking for me. This is not a long-term thing. It's a short-night thing, and she says she's looking for me. It's going to work out great, right? I'm not dating the godly person that I want because my situation is different. After all, uh, he or she, or they're nicer than most Christians. Or we're doing things in a relationship we shouldn't be doing, but, you know, my situation is just different. I, I shouldn't be using the credit cards, but, you know, my situation is different. Uh, that giving God 10% thing is nice, but at my income, that's a lot of money, or I'm just too far in debt to give that much. Or I should work on my marriage, but work is crazy and the kids are crazy. And so my situation is just different. I'm, it, it'll work out somehow. And the question you need to ask yourself is, is the path I'm traveling down taking me closer to or further from where I ultimately want to be in life? Right? Is it leading me towards becoming the person, not only the person that God wants me to be, but the person I want to be, which is frankly one and the same? Is it taking me there or is it taking me away? And the truth is, especially when we're in the middle of it, it can be really hard to get off that path without the help of trusted, wiser people around us. And that's one of the reasons it's really important to be a part of some form of a small group. They're not emotionally entangled with what's on the path. They have age, they have experience, and they can see our weaknesses and they can see our blind spots. So the question then is, will we listen? Or will we see ourselves as the one person who can effectively beat the principle of the path? That I can be the one guy who can get on 85 from Charlotte and drive north and still get to Atlanta. Right? The path of workaholism has a destination. The path of greed has a destination. The path of debt has a destination. The path of adultery has a destination. I talk to men all the time. They can't seem to figure out why their adult kids are always so distant. Like, why can't they forgive? Why can't they move on? Why can't they bring the grandkids over? It's because that's not where the path of adultery leads. Of course, as much as this principle can work against you, and we've talked a lot about the negatives, it can also work for you. Maybe some of you here, you've been on the path of faithfulness for a long time. 
And you're just beginning to really experience the blessing of being faithful. Some of you have been on the path of forgiveness, where, where you've been hurt and you've been offended, and you've chosen not to go down the path of bitterness. And you're beginning to enter into that destination and the blessing that comes with being a grace-filled, forgiving person. Or perhaps you've walked the very difficult path of financial responsibility. right? You, you not only lived within your means, you've stayed out of debt, but have faithfully given also a large percentage of your money to God and other things, and you're really beginning to experience the blessing of where that path can lead you. And that blessing, however you're at, it didn't just come as a result of one or two good decisions. It came because you chose to go down a path that had a predetermined destination. I've said this over and over, but I want to put it on the screen. Specific roads lead to specific places every time. So what are the paths that you have chosen? What about your marriage life? or your dating, or your relational life? What direction are you going, right? In your walk with God, what path are you heading down? Uh, I, I think these are great questions to ask, and I would say, would you mind asking God for insight to see where you are and where you're not? And if you need to, are you willing this day to make a course correction? Are you willing, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to reset your GPS and begin heading down a path that will really lead you towards becoming that person God has really designed you to be. I'm going to pray for us in just a second. But before I do, I want to encourage you to come back and listen or watch this message again next Sunday. We're going to continue in this series because what we talked about here is important, how, how important our direction is. Next week, we're going to ask and answer the question, how do you know which path to get on and which paths to get off? Right? No one wants to wake up one day in their 40s, 50s, 60s, wishing they had taken a different path in their 20s. So, how do you know the path you're choosing today will get you where you want to be? Come back next week, and we're going to explore that together. So for now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we stand before you now seeking wisdom and understanding about the past we've chosen in our lives. We're all trying to figure things out here, and sometimes we get so caught up in what feels like what is right in the moment, that we just lose track of where we're really heading. Uh, like we get distracted, especially when it feels like there's something good right in front of us, even if it might not be the best for us in the long run. So Father, I just acknowledge that life is tough. It's so easy to get deceived and trapped when we think that our situation is an exception or when we chase after quick rewards or instant feel-goods. So God, help us see the bigger picture when we're about to take a wrong turn, give us a nudge or a wake-up call, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's money stuff, or just our everyday choices. Help us get on the path to move in right directions. Equip us with the courage to seek guidance, the humility to accept correction, and inspire us to consistently choose paths that lead to life, love, and lasting joy. Let every step we take be towards becoming the person you've designed called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Uh, not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking, subscribing to whatever channel you're watching this on, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, 
could I also ask you to head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org. There's a green give button on the site there. If you'll click that and then choose one of those giving options there, I want to tell you that your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. So as we wrap up today, by way of benediction, let me read to you a verse from the little brother of Jesus, James chapter 1, verse 5, where he says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. May the Lord guide your heart and mind in every decision and challenge. May you trust in his promise to generously impart wisdom to all who ask, and may you have the strength and the courage to follow that wisdom. Amen. Hey guys, have a blessed week. I hope I see you back next week as we continue in part two of this series, Endgame.